0: Welcome, my friends, to the Moon Jockey's Podcast,
1: (laughs) an in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines.
2: Now, here are your hosts...
1: So the Moon Jockeys Podcast, my name is Brian, your host. I'm excited to welcome our guests from Fangirls Going Rogue and Hyperspace Theories. How are you doing tonight, Trisha?
2: I'm doing great. going to talk about one of my favorite topics.
1: That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I'm really excited for this episode because we've been on a long Ahsoka journey and the Mortis arc is so epic. <laughs> There's so much to unpack with that. We're continuing Ahsoka's arc, obviously in a chronological order, from the Clone Wars. And before we get into this topic, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about Ahsoka in general with you to get a better gauge of how you feel about her. mm mm-hmm. um, Why do you think Ahsoka is so important
2: to fandom? Well, for a lot of reasons. She's a bridge to the last thing that George Lucas gave to us as a major character that originated in the Clone Wars. I think there are a lot of people... It was the first time there was a female character who was a lead in a story and the story was around her. So that matters a lot. And every story in Star Wars is generational. So the thing that you come in with can be really important. So there is a generation for which Ahsoka is really important specifically to their fandom. And they're probably the most engaged part of fandom as far as on I don't know I guess that youthful energy that's where they are where they you get really excited about a fandom and it hasn't disappointed you so we hear a lot about her and I don't know I just think they've hit a lot of good points with her
1: they really have and I think she's almost exploded the Star Wars fandom into new boundaries uh just bringing in more fangirls in her generation especially like the adults now that are a little bit younger than us Why do you think she connected so much with girls of a younger generation?
2: Star Wars has always managed to typecast their characters. So you really can't unpack Ahsoka without bringing in Ashley Eckstein to the equation and what she brought to the character. And so I just go back to all the Star Wars weekends. That was a big part of my fandom and getting to know the character as well was just the way we kind of got to meet her and through her universe. But Ashley sort of kind of embodies the heroic spunk of Ahsoka and she leaves a really important legacy behind for Anakin Skywalker and that not everything about him was destructive and bad. She learned the right things from him. And I think that's important to the legacy for The prequel trilogy and then the overall legacy of Star Wars all the way back to the original trilogy because it all comes back to giving people a reason to believe that Anakin Skywalker should be forgiven Mm -hmm. uh, for and you know coming back to the force being able to um, come back to it
1: yeah Ashley brought so much to the role of Ahsoka it's not funny, and I almost think that Ashley herself with her universe is almost as popular as Ahsoka because of what she's done in providing a need that wasn't being met by corporate America, basically, like creating her universe, allowing fangirls to just really dress in comfortable clothes that are made for women and are things that they love. I think that that's a pretty major step forward in our fandom. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you, people say that, that the female fan was a myth, but really a lot of times myth is about things that you see and can believe in. And so I I go back to being a 1977 fan. I was eight years old, so there weren't things that you could just walk around if you were a guy with a star Wars shirt on and people would go, Oh, there's another star Wars fan. So when people say there weren't star Wars fans, it's simply because they didn't see them. Mm -hmm. And you know, then there's, I mean, there are other ways that women were erased, but she started to undo and unpack that kind of, you know, myth that women didn't participate in star Wars and, it, it mattered. it really made a difference, and there were people and you can't deny money in corporate worlds, so yeah. you know you could say, Oh, women aren't fans, but if you're not giving them a way to express their fandom, they're not going to express it they people, consumers aren't stupid. They know when you're not giving them what they want and they'll walk away from it or they just will find something that says, Hey, you know, come here. We, we like you. And so she was able to say, Hey, if you give people what they like, I remember just being so excited about any one t-shirt that her, her universe was putting out as a fan. It was, I would buy everything. And now it's to the point where I'm like, I can actually buy what, is like me as far as my style, which is kind of really weird because you know the emails will come out now and I'm like, hmm, I have to stop and think. Like, Is that representative of me? Because there's more than just one thing of Star Wars coming out that a girl could wear.
1: That's awesome. It's good when you can like pick and choose and you have options. Exactly. Do you think that Ahsoka was written as a good representation of what girls go through? I say this specifically in light of a couple scenarios that we've talked about a lot in this um, series Uh, one being when anakin is first introduced to ahsoka him calling her snips a lot and well first calling her youngling and saying that in a disrespectful way that she took offense to and then later on there was a series in the ryloth arc where she had some great ideas about how to deal with things. or are not the Ryloth Ark. It was in the Geonosis. She had a, a warning of a wall, and Anakin just kind of ignored her.
0: Their front lines are heavily fortified. Look at that giant wall with all the gun emplacements. That won't be easy to get past. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere near that.
1: And what do you know? They come facing that wall, like, just moments later.
2: This is another fine
0: mess you've gotten us into. What? Hey, it's not my fault. You were supposed to study the holomaps. I did! Remember when I reminded you about the giant wall and you said, don't worry, sis. We won't be anywhere
2: near that.
1: Do you think that she's a good representation of what girls face?
2: I believe that the storytelling around Ahsoka had its growing pains. So if you remember early on, she had the tube top and you know there were just some things that just the way she was physically presented that were like, oh, okay, no. I mean, any girls weren't too top it's they're not fightable in. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if you have the Force helping you out. But in the way when you talk about the snips and even the way she talked early season one, because I just did a, a chronological rewatch of the Clone Wars. So mm-hmm. I remember thinking, oh, wow, this is season one episodes. Whew. I think like the spunky came out in... Almost kind of a caustic way where she wasn't even likable because it was just like, even I, mean, I, I remember some episodes with Ventress and her and the things that Ahsoka would say, and I'd be like, Oh, she's such a mean girl. And, <laughs> and she changed, like, she changed and became more of what I mean, you know, that a Jedi, she's raised in a, a temple, she wouldn't learn to talk that way. She talked like she was in junior high, how young women are often represented talking, not the way you would think someone brought up in that situation. So they kind of had to learn to grow into the character. But as things went on, I don't think it's unbelievable that someone like Anakin would dismiss Ahsoka as, you know, we as adults tend to dismiss younger people all the time. And that's always a A lesson learned where we should stop and say, wait, are they saying something that we just don't understand from our experience or maybe we're dismissing them because of our experience and that's a bad thing. So as the storytelling went along, I think a lot of those type of things would highlight that Anakin and Obi-Wan as Jedi were so attuned to you know respect your elders and we know what's right because we're Jedi masters or I'm your knight that's training you as a Padawan so just listen to me or it's war and we don't have time to listen to young people so it got better it it's almost like by the end I, I felt like they found their hero they found her voice they found who she they really wanted her to be from the beginning instead of just saying well this is how we'll present her and that's how kids will relate to her.
1: Yeah, I feel like her storylines definitely got better as the seasons went on. It almost like Ashley sank into the character a lot more, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of her personality came through. So let's get into the Mortis arc a little bit more. The first episode is Overlords, and of course they come to Mortis when they think that they're tracking down a, an ancient Jedi distress signal, but it leads them to this giant cube in space. Do you think Mortis could be a holocron?
2: Hmm. You know, until I saw that in the show notes, I never thought of that as an option. I, I don't try to think too hard about what it is, but that's the way it. The way you mentioned that. I was like, oh, wow, that's really kind of interesting. I just feel like it's a place the force has so many different elements to it. And, you know, we forget that this is like a mythical supernatural place. So I just think it's someplace else. that was a, it's a portal mm-hmm. and we understand portal stories as human beings. They're so embedded in us with like Alice in Wonderland or wizard of Oz that it's just another portal to someplace that is real to the characters who went through it, but it's not real in the timeline that they're in. I don't know if that makes sense, sure. but um, you know, you you can't you don't discount what happens to Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. It's still in her; it comes and embodies her character even when she goes back to Oz. And in the same way, I think for Ahsoka, what happens there is real to her.
1: Okay, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting um, conversation a while ago. Because it sort of is cubish, and I don't it it, it's I try to understand it so much that I I get lost in the mythos. (laughs) I think a lot of the time, it's really interesting that the uh, environment is almost a representation of the cycle of life on Mortis. Like where when sun rises. Everything gets new life, and things become very green and spring-like. But once the sun sets and the moon is up, everything dies. And when I watched it recently, I noticed that uh after the trees die, they all like basically shed their bark, and then all you see is like a visual, luminous representation of what they used to be. And mm-hmm. it reminded me of the line of Yoda where he says, "Luminous beings are we." Um, and I thought that that was kind of an interesting representation. I think the sun actually says that nothing ever really dies. Did you have any thoughts about that, or did, have you noticed that before?
2: Oh yeah, I loved the animation and just the the detail they went into. All just the way, you know, day and night is passing so quickly. as they walk through the realm and what that represents. And I, I guess the trees are, I mean, the idea is they go, the Jedi go into the force. So this is depicting kind of the force and what it represents. It's kind of like a microcosm, then you're not going to go away. Just like that tree's always going to be present in some way. And we kind of see that in the last Jedi when Ray's learning from Luke they're having a conversation about what the Force is.
1: Breathe. Just breathe. Reach out with your feelings.
0: What do you see? The island, life,
1: death and decay that feeds new life, warmth, cold, peace,
0: violence,
2: and between it all,
0: balance and energy. A force. And inside you? Inside me.
2: That same force. And she talks about seeing life and death. Mm. And they show the porgs dying and dissolving back into the ground. And then obviously, if you've taken Earth science, you know that those become nutrients and they give help give life to new plants, which animals would eat. And, you know, then those animals get eaten by apex predators. And so life goes on. Yeah. And that's kind of what I I see when the, you know, the trees are left, there's still a piece of them left in the forest. They go back in and they come back out in a different way.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very metaphorical, but also literal. And um, it's interesting that they did that in just the background (laughs) of this story because there was so much um, representation in this. It's great. You
2: you know what? Can I go back to the Holocron thing real quick? Sure. Just because, just thinking about it, as a storyteller, they've established in Star, Star Wars that the Holocron is a way you gain wisdom and insight into Mm -hmm. specific things and so i think yes that there is a just a reason they depict it that way because they are trying to tell you they're going to give you wisdom and insight
1: the other thing that made me think of this is um the bendu and rebels when Mm -hmm. the holocron and the sith holocron are combined uh you can actually gain specific um Secrets And Bendu actually says that once a secret is known, it cannot be unknown. And all that made me think that maybe Mortis is some combination of a a light side and a dark side holocron that is very meaningful and contains some secrets of the force. Mm -hmm. Anakin runs up to the father's monastery. And one thing I noticed about the architecture is he actually has a Uh, what's called a rose window which is the giant circle above the doorway that light shines through and in the rose window you actually see a third symbol which is what I take to mean the balance of the force it has the light side symbol and the dark side symbol in equal portions it's an interesting depiction because we've seen uh, like behind the father is like a scale with a light side and a dark side symbol on either side. Mm -hmm. And there's also a rose window above that. So you see all three of the symbols in that in at one point so that you have the light side, the dark side and then balance. What do you think that that means as far as balance of the force?
2: I think that if you ever stood on a teeter totter, it's really hard to get it even. Yes. (laughs) And so The force sort of represents that eternal struggle to get that teeter-totter to be in the right place. Yeah, and we're always going to strive for balance. It's really, really hard. It's really hard to stand on the teeter-totter and get it to be level and balanced. So the force is sort of that way of telling the struggles of humankind to make that happen. So, you know, that's what that's kind of that whole Mortis thing is about, and you could, could probably analyze it for a long time to come <laughs> and reanalyze it again when we get to the end of episode 9 and you know the end of resistance and everything else because everything adds a layer absolutely so i mean that i just you're you're looking at these beautiful nuggets and i think they're just ways of reinforcing the really simplistic <laughs> thing that he's trying to depict in three the episodes, um, which is always funny because some people really love these episodes and some people are like, Wah, but maybe it's because they just didn't want to work. It, they, he doesn't want you to work hard, but he does want you to work hard because he wants you to go look at it and think about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the night that they end up sleeping, each one of them, uh, Ahsoka, Anakin and Obi-Wan have a separate force vision that kind of tells them a little bit something. What did you think of Ahsoka's force vision of seeing her future self? Are you happy, child?
0: Your master, does he treat you well? What concern of it is yours? I am your future, your potential. This is a trick.
1: There is a wildness to you, young one. Seeds of the dark side planted by your
0: master. Do you feel it? No. He is like no other Jedi. Passionate, impulsive, but I trust him with my life.
1: There are many contradictions in you
0: and in him.
2: Be warned. You may never see your future if you remain his student. Leave this planet. That's hard because I think we don't know enough about Ahsoka's story. (laughs) Yeah. uh, um, I don't, I think that that force vision is always in Dave Filoni's mind. Yeah. When he's thinking about it, but I'm careful because when you're looking at visions and um, things that aren't reality, but they're speaking to you, the storytellers can always twist them to mean something different, mm-hmm. so you you never know. I've I mean I've written a lot of stories where I'm using visions or uh, you know that kind of stuff, and you may mean one thing, but trying to project something else, or you may show something one way, but it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily completely line up because you're trying to give yourself wiggle room. But yeah. I think I think we'll never we won't know until they take Ahsoka's story to its conclusion, and I don't think we've seen the end of it. No, not at all. So she's got a lot of miles left in her.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that she says that she's uh, her future and her potential because that that just, you're like, okay, so what is my potential? Especially when you're young, you want to know, like, what will I achieve? And she actually gives Ahsoka a warning um, there's a wildness in you. Seeds of the dark side have been planted by your master. What seeds of the dark side of the forest have you have been planted in, Ahsoka? Do you see any seeds?
2: Um, well, th- there's two things. One is that we have to remember in that we, in the context of when that story was created, they didn't know if it, we were going to get more Ahsoka stories ever. So, just to say this is your potential and what the story tell, you know, what they were thinking. They didn't know if they were going to ever get to tell more the seeds of the dark side. Anakin can be very brash and rushed and rely on his feelings a lot and to trust his instincts. And sometimes he blurred the instincts with his feelings Mm -hmm. and that's where it got him in trouble. And, For Ahsoka, that's also tends to be her strong suit. She, they were trying to give a Padawan to Anakin that was a lot like him. So he could see kind of his own flaws Mm. by having to work with her and that would help measure him. And so in a way you're doing, they're doing that for Anakin, but it could have blown up in that he ended up reinforcing some of her weaknesses. Um, in the long run. So that's kind of what he, he, they tend to have the same strengths that, and in a good character, your strengths are always going to be your biggest weakness too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just that she'll get into things with her heart almost or mm-hmm. gut, instead of maybe considering all the ramifications of what she's going to do, which what? actually isn't Ahsoka later on. She grows out of that. But I think that's because she, 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 knows the hard lesson of what happened to her master.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seeing what happens to him later, it just has got to really inform what she does in the future. Mm-hmm. One of the characteristics I think she may have, a seed that she may have in this time in Mortis, is her struggle with attachment. It's also, as you said, one of Anakin's weaknesses and that he struggles with. But we saw in Jedi Crash, mm-hmm. we see Ahsoka and Ayla Sakura have conversations about attachment, especially about the attachment of their masters. I can still sense your worry for Anakin, your attachment to him.
0: It's just. I get so confused sometimes. It's forbidden for Jedi to form attachments, yet we are supposed to be compassionate.
1: It is nothing to be ashamed of, Ahsoka. I went through the same process when I was your age with my own master. Really? You? He was like a father to me. I realized that for the greater good, I had to let him go. Don't lose a thousand lives just to save one. It's very interesting to see how that's a common struggle, but because attachment can cloud your rational thinking in a time of crisis I think like you can compromise the good of the many to benefit one if they're in need and I think I think that it's that that is the road that led Anakin down a dark path and that's something that Ahsoka also has that could be lead her down a dark path if she were to like feed and water that do you know what I mean
2: oh absolutely (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we know, we know in a way from what we've seen that Ahsoka was aware of Padme and Anakin. Mm -hmm. And so she probably is more aware of what, what led to his fall than most people would be, you know, some people might look at him, you know, externally and say, well, this and this happened, but Ahsoka actually knew kind of the whole truth of, Where he went wrong, which wasn't just that the Jedi uh, disillusioned him. It was a lot of other things weighing into the disillusionment, Uh, you know, but it's crazy because you think it's likely that Jedi didn't have rules against attachment and perhaps that by making all these rules, because perhaps they had way back in history, they had some, some Jedi fall because of his attachment. And they're like, okay, we're just not going to have attachments and that'll, and that'll cure that problem. But it didn't cure the problem because when they didn't understand Anakin, none of them were informed enough to understand why Anakin would struggle with attachment coming in so late to the training process. And even, you see in, was that Attack of the Clones when, you know, Padme comes back into their life and Anakin's, I mean, he's not even, he's pretty brazen about, oh, Padme, and I haven't seen her in years. And <laughs> Obi-Wan's very like, you know, it'll be fine. And even when he says dreams pass, like, he just thinks those things happen and you just deal with them. And he doesn't understand. It's literally that Obi-Wan doesn't have empathy yeah. for him. And again, I think Yoda kind of blows them off when Anakin tries to talk to him and they just think, well, you can deal with it when actually you need to teach people in their real lives, how to deal with attachments in the moment. So the real life situation would be like how they teach seal team members where they require them to be trustful and to consider the other members as literal brothers. Like they call themselves brothers and yet they would have wherewithal and in the moment in the heat of a battle to disconnect from the emotion
1: mm-hmm.
2: or the toll of something happening to somebody and just continue to operate and do what they need to do and do their jobs but they're they are trained and counseled and, and they try to keep them informed on how to deal with that as a person and as a warrior And the Jedi just don't deal with it because they think they've just ruled it out. Like it's a rule and you won't become attached and therefore it won't ever affect you. So,
1: I think the Jedi trusted their dogma too much because they had had such a long time frame of peace. Like having a thousand generations of peace just made them very complacent about dealing with um, different ways. Like it made them very resistant to change. I don't see a lot of fear in Ahsoka. Do you see any fear
2: in her? That's where she's very much like we said in Anakin, in a way. In that, you know, they called Anakin the hero with no fear, Mm -hmm. but we find out that he really is afraid deep down. He just doesn't show it. I think every character is afraid of something, even heroes. But she, in, in general, I think she tends to be on the a uh, fearless spectrum where she will do something and think about getting out of it. Like she's just going to deal with, you know, jump into it and then deal with it as opposed to being a thinking person where she may stop and say, well, how am I going to deal with this? She just dives into it and then deals with it in the moment.
1: This may be a little spoilery, but <laughs> it's really old at this point. Do you think that her last warning played into her decision to leave the Jedi Order, where she says...
2: Be warned. You may may never see see your your future future if you remain his student. student. Leave Leave this planet! planet. (laughs) (laughs) It could have, absolutely. If they take that back and they take it as part of the wisdom the Force was giving them through that moment when they experienced... What they experienced i mean the biggest thing that informed her was the you know what happened to her as far as the arrest and the trial and how willing they were to not stick to any principles in order to kind of operate still in the function of the political realm that was that was happening so she's at the right age where you start to realize that the rules and the restrictions that society puts on you have kind of some weird wonky um, ramifications that aren't always the best for you, or maybe that the society's doesn't really live up to what it says it is. So she's right in that age to question everything when it, you know, ticks off in her. But of course, you know, all these little things that happen, I almost think it's more of like a foreshadowing, it, you know, looking back on it, that they already knew what they were going to do with her. They were kind of trying to tell us that.
1: Well, that that's an interesting way, because it, it definitely gives hope that she might survive if you take it that way. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a specific reason the sun actually grabs Ahsoka, like when they do the the test to see if Anakin is the one, the son and daughter come to pick up Ahsoka and Obi-Wan. The son takes Ahsoka and the daughter takes Obi-Wan. Do you think that there's a reason that the son is actually drawn to Ahsoka or is that just random?
2: Hmm. I've pondered this question previously. And so when I saw that you were going to ask it, I was like, I went back to my musings. Um, I don't know that Ahsoka the son going to Ahsoka is more the decision as opposed to the daughter was going to pick Obi Wan because Obi-Wan does represent the light and in in the kind of the Star Wars theme and myth, he's he is ends up being he learns a lot of lessons, he ends up being a good Jedi. And they keep they reinforce that over and over again, you know, in Star Wars Rebels and how he has this confrontation with Maul. Just, you know, he does what he's supposed to do. He learns his lessons. And I don't know that it's the sun picking Ahsoka as much as the light was going to pick Obi-Wan.
1: Yeah, and then the sun actually picks Ahsoka again when he steals her to make them come back. That was the other thing. Yep. During the test for... a. Anakin of being the one, when they go through that, do you think that Anakin was brought back to the time when he had Padme and Ahsoka facing the blue shadow virus at all? Like, these are two people that I kind of love or whatever that could could die? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, when I watched the blue shadow virus episodes, it just made me think of this moment later on in the future.
2: I mean, they're always kind of foreshadowing that choice of choosing or allowing or being faced with the death of someone that you, you know, feel strongly about or attached to. So, I mean, it's just that that keeps being reinforced over and over, especially if you go back and watch it, you know, in a compact sitting and you're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) okay they keep they keep reminding you um because they you know they had that that's the great thing about long form storytelling television is you they can do different things so they can reinforce things in different ways
1: if you watch it all together like in a binge episode things kind of pop out a lot more because you see them so close together whereas when I first watched this I missed a lot of things that I think I see now. Uh-huh. Watching it faster, uh, going in chronological order and seeing it uh, relatively close together. In the next episode,
2: Dooku comes out as Dooku comes out as so crazy, incredibly. Um, how would I say, like uh, overly machinations? That you're like, wow, I didn't think of him as that kind of evil person until you watch the Clone Wars. So. in 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 fast sequence yeah yeah i definitely recommend binging
1: (laughs) it's pretty cool in the next episode we come to ahsoka's identity again when she's been corrupted by the sun and she has a confrontation with anakin
2: and now the student will kill the master yourself, aren't you, Snips? Don't call me that! I hate it when you call me that!
1: He touched a sore spot again, I think, and you see, like, how much she really hates that name on some level. Why is that so disrespectful to her, and why do you think she hates it?
2: To be truthful, I think that part is Dave Filoni, uh, sort of being self-aware of the fandom's, uh, interaction with the name the nickname so he's literally breaking the fourth wall
1: when ahsoka gives the sun back this the scepter he basically says your usefulness has come to the end he just kind of kills her that is so abrupt (laughs) um why do you think he did that is there a reason
2: i think he's just he's just selfish and that's what it that's what he's doing. He's like, I literally don't need you. I don't have any loyalty to you. I'm just in service of myself. And so you're done. That's I mean, it it's so on point for what they're trying to make that character represent, which is selfishness that mm-hmm. it just that's it. I'm done with you. You've served your purpose.
1: Yeah. I get a lot of sort of the prodigal son in the sun. Mm-hmm. where he's just ready for his father to pass away so he can get his inheritance or more power or something. <laughs> the daughter actually points to Ahsoka and sort of asks the father to, well, I don't know, is the daughter offering her life to help Ahsoka, or is she saying that Ahsoka is the hope?
2: I think she's trying to offer her father hope um, that she'll... can it'll keep going on i mean there's you could unpack a lot about the father and the daughter and the son there's so much going on i don't even think initially the son isn't necessarily evil and i think that's a kind of a really important thing to take out of this the dark side isn't necessarily evil And they're trying to make that distinction. Nor is the light side necessarily good. She does things that maybe aren't the best decisions. Like even taking Obi-Wan down to um, get the dagger. Because if the dagger doesn't come up, this whole problem doesn't end up with her dying either. So there's bad decisions on everybody's part. Um, What ends up happening is when the sun sees that there's potential beyond his own purpose as being kind of the the destructive force in this universe this like really tiny microcosm of a universe that they live in he's tempted by that and so george lucas always says that you know, it's temptation. He uses the term greed where we kind of think of the term greed as like people with money, you know, throwing money around and I want to hoard things. He's the temptation. His greed um, is something he's going to be prone to because that is what the dark side will do. It's easy. And, uh, you know, that's what George Lucas likes to say. It's-
0: the core of the force. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless. One is selfish. And you want to keep them in balance. What happens when you go to the dark side is it goes out of balance and then you get really selfish and you forget about everybody and you ultimately lead yourself because when you get selfish you get stuff or you want stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you want stuff and you get stuff, then you get are afraid somebody's gonna take it away from you. Whether it's a person or a thing or mm-hmm. a, a particular pleasure, experience. Mm-hmm once you become afraid that somebody's going to take it away from you, or you're going to lose it, then you start to become angry. Especially if you're losing it. And that anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. Mostly on the part of the person who's selfish, because you spend all your time being afraid of losing everything you've got, right. instead of actually living. Where joy, by giving to other people, you can't think about yourself, and therefore there's no pain. But the pleasure factor of greed and of selfishness mm-hmm. is a short-lived experience. Therefore, you're constantly trying to replenish it. But of course, the more you replenish it, the harder it is to, so you have to keep upping the ante. You're actually afraid of the pain of not having uh-huh. the joy. So that, is ultimately the core of the whole dark side, light side of the Force. Um, And everything flows from that.
2: So all of a sudden the son wants more. He wants to not just be where he is. He wants to have power outside of where he is. So the bringing in of Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan actually upsets the balance of what father has created for their family. And he's he he begins to lose control. And I don't know that there is any way out of that cycle, if you were gonna look at it as a cycle, that there will be kind of a diminishing of the light and that he will lose what's important to him. The son will, which is his sister and ultimately his father. And but they will because of the cycle, they will rise up in a different way. So daughter isn't necessarily going to die she's going to be reborn and ahsoka is kind of representative of that up cycle so in anakin's fall he is creating the hope as he is falling to the dark side ahsoka is beginning her rise and if you were to take that all the way to the conclusion the upside of anakin's journey should be the kind of the ascension of Ahsoka in the mythos if that is going to happen I don't know but if you were going to take it to its conclusion that's what it should be.
1: There are like a lot of theories that the son and daughter and father will be represented by different characters in the future like as you said nothing ever really dies and several people have questioned as to what because the daughter- gives Ahsoka new life and her colors are followed Ahsoka a lot in like the um Convors Mm -hmm. that Ahsoka is very connected to the daughter that Ahsoka could be the daughter of another time or whatever and then there's different theories on who the the son would be and who the father could be but I just think that that's kind of an interesting perspective to think about because the daughter does offer to bring Ahsoka back.
2: I think the most important thing is that in Rebels with the daughter there, they're trying to represent that she has chosen the light and she's embedded in it. And she's in, you have to be in balance to stay embedded in the light. So I think that's an important distinction they're trying to make just with the character And maybe not so much as she's literally the daughter, but that she's chosen her side.
1: Speaking of rebels, um, I kind of have a theory that the son and the daughter may have created the world between worlds. Mm -hmm. Because the father said that...
0: My children and I can manipulate the force like no other. Therefore, it was necessary to withdraw from the temporal world and live here as anchorites. As a sanctuary? And a prison. You cannot imagine what pain it is to have such love for your children and realize that they could tear the very fabric of our universe.
1: I think that that would be something that they could have the capability of creating. Just having a... a a space where you can be at any time point. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So,
2: well, it's, I mean, when they disappear into mortis, they come back out and the, everybody says, well, you haven't really been gone. So, you know, like, wait, we're back. And they're like, but you haven't been gone. (laughs) So yes, kind of the, uh, the temporal messing, which is, I don't think it's as, They're not trying to make it as pure as time, like a time travel. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think they're really trying to be careful with that because once you get into that, especially in a big universe like this, it can really just be a disaster. Um, So you don't really want to give the storytellers the liberty to just say, well, we'll just go back and change things because then you just start mucking with the whole kind of meaning of your universe.
1: Sure. Definitely. So they go back, as you said, and they're they're not sure if what they experienced on Mortis is real or if it was just kind of in their minds almost because Rex says that they just left. It, it wasn't as long as they had thought. Do you think that Ahsoka approaches her training with Anakin differently with the possibility that he could be the one?
2: Mm, probably her eyes are a little more wide open. You know it's it's so hard because you know these are people that have a really different um, mindset than most of us. So they're more probably open to this kind of, you know, accepting other things, other lessons that the force is going to give you. If you have experience doing meditation, you can go into, you know, moments where you feel like you're not experiencing time and space like you like you normally do. So I I think that to Those characters, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka, if they wanted them to be, they could choose in their mind for them to be very real and things that would affect their judgment going forward. I mean, we do see that Ahsoka isn't really, like, shocked when she gets to the world between worlds. She's kind of like, oh, I'm here. I know how to deal with this. And she knows exactly what you can or can't do in this world. She's very aware of... if that makes sense and she's very aware of what the consequences are it's like she's like Ezra you have to go back where you came from and I have to go back where I came from um so in some way it's a lesson that stuck with her. What, what that lesson is, I would, I think it would be a really cool story. Like, you know, was she hanging, you know, was she hanging out there on, you know, did she go back to Malachar and learn more lessons? Did was there at some point before she confronted Vader there that she had learned more things? You know, there's so many possibilities, but she's very aware in the moment when it happens that, What her choice has to be in that moment and how she needs to guide Ezra through it. So it's not like she's shocked when she gets to the that world between worlds and it's like, hmm, uh, this, you know, and I think Mortis informs that. She's kind of like, oh, yeah, I've been in a situation like this. Possibly she's been in more where she, you know, she's not in kind of the realm that she's the reality that she really is from.
1: Like When she ventures down into the Sith Temple on Malachor after she's saved, I do think that she's basically learning a different side of the Force to expand her knowledge, broadening horizons of what what the Force can do. I like to call her Ahsoka the White, which is Mm -hmm. a playoff of Gandalf in the Two Towers after he confronted the Balrog where he becomes like the highest level of wizard because of that and he um gains new abilities and i think that that's kind of what ahsoka did in her time on malachor where she just learned more and it's kind of interesting that they dressed her up in a gray cloak and a white um garments at the end of the um at the end of
2: rebels you know Oh, well, I mean, Dave Filoni has not been shy about saying that that story is very influential and throwing that kind of name, those names out there. So I think that if you're the intention is if you're a character who's in balance and accepting of your light side responsibility, you can go into dark places and it will still be a challenge, but it's not something that you can't handle. So she's she went in confronting vader very much in balance and the rest of you know you're going to have to learn things from the sith i don't think that the thing everything that the sith believe or know or have learned is necessarily evil yeah. it's more of a fear from this kind of you know mindset of the jedi are here and the sith are here and we can't you know we can't learn anything from them because it'll be bad for us that isn't necessarily Again, you went back to the mentioning their dogma, so they're so afraid of it for some reason that they won't. But she's in balance; she's not a Jedi, she's not afraid of it.
1: Yeah, and like the Bendu in Rebels, like he he could open up the Sith holocron immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kanan is trying to warn him that the the Sith holocron could corrupt him, and the Bendu says,
0: "Careful, it's." dangerous. How so? It's a Sith holocron, a source of evil. My student's been using it, and I'm afraid it's changing him. An object cannot make you good or evil. The temptation of power, forbidden knowledge, even the desire to do good can lead some down that path. But only you can change yourself.
1: Kind of corrects Kanan's paradigm of what a quote-unquote evil object could be or if it could be a source of knowledge so I think that the Bendu really tried to challenge that philosophy do you know what I mean
2: Absolutely. Especially since they seem to be popping up a lot in lore right now. And the people are like, oh, maybe, you know, I mean, that's a big topic now. Oh, they're suggesting that in the comics. And then maybe that's just why Kylo Ren, you know, he just got corrupted by an object. And I'm like, I think you have to be somewhat there. (laughs) for the object to correct you but yes that's what bendu's trying to say like you're not just going to become corrupt because you touch something or you know the evil and you know they i think they're even going there a little bit when you know luke's like oh my gosh ray you jumped into the dark side hole and that was awful in the last jedi and i don't think it's necessarily bad. I mean, Yoda sent Luke into a dark side. Well, and he warned him, don't take your lightsaber in there. It's not going to go well. And he did anyway. And Ray just dove in without anything. And she was like, okay, I'm in the dark side. I'm just going to have a conversation. And looking for knowledge, not necessarily a bad thing if you're a person in balance.
1: Mm-hmm. But they're still faced with what they take with her. Like, I think Ray took her need for significance and need for like family a lot and so that that's what she was challenged with absolutely in in the mirror or whatever exactly so um did you have any more thoughts about ahsoka in the uh, mortis arc overall or any other observations
2: no i think it's just a fascinating look at kind of what ultimately george lucas wanted people to take away from Star Wars and about the force. You know, that's his basic philosophy in that story. And if you don't get the force right, the stories aren't going to go right. You're ultimately going to end up disrupting the intention of the story from the beginning or the middle or wherever. You know, he was always a work in progress, how he, he perceived it. But I think ultimately, as a refined storyteller who really had to look at his philosophy and what he wanted long term from it, then he's trying to say something with that story about what he would like Star Wars to be and what its legacy would be to be. And what he's saying about how he wants that to reflect in myth. Ultimately, it's kind of like, this is like, this is kind of my little mini Bible of what I think the forces in it a really way
1: is, it really, really is. Like, I think that these episodes sort of form so much of what they do with the force now like Mm -hmm. it's interesting well I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on with me I appreciate it Um, and I love your work uh, as I'm sure you know (laughs) Um, (laughs) if people don't know already uh, where can people find you
2: well I'm on Twitter and Instagram so you can find me at fangirlcantina and if you want to read kind of the writings about Star Wars and characters and diversity and women in stars particular, uh, you can go to fangirlblog.com and read it. And then if you want to find anything about my writing, my own personal writing, the books I'm writing, some of them are Star Wars, some of it's Star Wars Insider, some of it's my personal storytelling, which are very, how would I say, um, infused with things that I learned as a child from Star Wars. Uh, you could go to Trishabar.com and that's T R I C I A B A R R rcom
1: Very cool. Thank you. Um, now it's time to hear from you, the audience. You can email us your thoughts on ahsoka's journey in these episodes at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast at moonjockeys Pod. You can follow me at Balls and Play. And until next time, may the Force be with you, always.